book is good about. Her second book was it was to like bring you closer and be like. And I was talking to my mom about it. And a bottle feed. Are you in your heart? Every time I'm like, oh my gosh. Girl, welcome to Coffee All right. Good morning, everybody. If you're hopping on to listen to our podcast this morning, you'll notice that we're coming at you guys on a totally different day. We're actually coming in the middle of the week. Uh, We didn't forget about you guys again, we promise. But this week, um, this is your warning. This is our very first trigger warning episode. So if you have been listening to coffee since we started, you know, we like to keep things light, fun, motherhood, marriage, uh, military. But we feel like we have a platform we want to use it to talk about the tough topics that nobody ever wants to get down and talk about um we have a lot of yeah we have a lot of topics lined up to talk to you guys about but today's topic is about infertility and um we have a really good friend with us her name is Britt um Britt Johnson if you follow her on Instagram maybe TikTok she's new to the TikTok world but she's like (laughs) killing it with book talk right now um but Brittany and I met actually um, shortly. At, well, so Brittany used to drive a BMW a long time ago. And I worked at the BMW dealership. And we, I don't remember, Brittany, do you remember how we like met, met? But I know somehow we figured out that we were both going to El Paso, living in the same apartment complex. And then we actually ended up living um, like one floor apart from each other. So we got to discover El Paso together. It was actually pretty fun. So um, this is Brittany and her husband, Shane. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> so um, I asked Brittany to join um, in with us today because she actually has a very, very touching story. Well, her husband and her both. But um, one of the first things I ever learned about her was that they were not actually able to have children of their own. And should they want to have some one day, um, there were some battles that they were going to have to tackle to go through together. So I asked Brittany to come on and talk to everybody about infertility because she's always been pretty open um, about the, the path that they went through to get where they're at today. So Brittany, tell us a little bit about you and Shane. So we actually, we knew each other from high school. We met on the soccer field. Then he enlisted in the army when he was in high school. Fast forward to a couple of years and we ended up meet like re kind of kindling our friendship at the pool yeah. one summer. Two years later, we were married. <laughs> in, in short. That was after she stood me up at the demolition derby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> friends. <laughs> <laughs> Good memories. Yeah, oh, yes. right. We all have them. I mean, oh, yeah. I married my husband after knowing him for 30 days. So, I mean, you know, sometimes you get stood up and sometimes you just jump head, like head first into it. But here you are now, right? 13, almost 13 years later. So, right. Everything yeah. has their weird way of working out. Yeah. So, like, so you got married and then you guys moved to Fort Bragg, right? And then what happened? Like, so did you guys know immediately after you got married that you wanted to have babies? Did you, did, was it always something that you guys like talked about or wanted together? Or was it just something like you were going to figure out as time went on? We had kind of talked about it before we ever got engaged or anything like that. I think that was something we both wanted to be kind of on the same page about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then... We had kind of agreed about three years into our marriage, we would kind of start that process, not really the process, but, you know, start trying to have like kids. Having that, yeah, well, yeah. We had yeah. the process down. We were just taking measures, you know, that didn't follow through. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And um, we had already kind of gone through some other things, but I started to realize, like, my cycle was kind of coming late, like, all of the time. Mm-hmm. And it resulted in me saying, okay, like, I need to go figure out like what's happening and they're like well like instantly they're like we are gonna go have you do blood work if you don't hear back from us in like two days your blood work is fine your husband needs to go get tested right and so that resulted into Shane having to kind of start his process of what led us to figure out ultimately that kids were not really going to be in our future so I'll let him kind of Mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit yeah Uh, 
What was that kind of like, Shane? Like when you found out, like, cause I was talking to Brittany and Felicia earlier about it. And I said, you know, when, when, when you talk about infertility, a lot of people and myself included, you always think like, well, what was wrong with the female's body? Why couldn't she yeah. carry a baby? Why couldn't she, why, what, what was wrong with her cycle? What was wrong with her ovaries? Something you always think it's something wrong with the woman. But you know, when we were all talking, I realized I was like, Oh wait, Brittany, you told me when we first met that actually your husband you know, like was infertile. So like, what was that kind of like for you knowing that not that you were the quote unquote problem, but like in this, in, in the solution of having a baby, like that was like the holdup was with your body versus Brittany's. Well, I mean, believe it or not, the process of diagnosing me, it took a little bit longer than it did to test Brittany. I mean, we're talking about four or five months going back you know, no. I felt like a, you know, secret agent or something sneaking something into the hospital because I wanted nobody to know what was going to come. It's like, hey, listen, know. as somebody who's had to take like a poop specimen into like Womack, I am right hey, there with you. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm hide the brown right now, bag. Taking a gulls full of turds in there is nothing compared to sneaking that stuff in there. You know? yeah. Like, don't look in the bag, dude. Don't worry about what's in the bag. <laughs> so, whenever you got the diagnosis back that you were infertile, uh, do you feel like it was like a huge blow or was, did it take you some time to like really come to grips with that news or kind of how, how did you process that? I, you know, initially it didn't hit very hard. Uh, yeah. I don't, I think it kind of hit the hardest when I realized like, man, I got to tell Brittany. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was like, and that's when it kind of hits you, you know, you're not like, so I, I don't know. You weren't prepared. You know, you weren't prepared for it. Yeah. And then yeah. you get home. Well, the way it worked for me is I wasn't prepared for it. So I got the news and I got to the truck. I was like, no big deal. Uh, I'll go home and I'll tell Brittany. I was like, oh, wait a minute. I got to go home and tell Brittany. <laughs> to Brittany. Yeah. yeah. I was like, uh, let's take the long way home. So I drove around for a little bit thinking about like, what in the world am I going to do? You know, to tell her. Cause, yeah. Like. Well, I can understand that because you're like, well, I know she loves me, but is this like, I, I think I know her enough to know that it's not a deal breaker, but yeah. what if it is a deal breaker or what, like, how is she going to react to this? Is this going to completely shatter her? Like what's going to happen? So I can understand how that would be. Brittany, when he like, was going through the testing and stuff, like, did you guys, how did you feel about that? Like if you thought it was going to be him or did you guys talk about like, what if it is him or what if it's not? We never really talked much about it because honestly, for me, I thought it was going to end up being nothing to be completely transparent. Yeah. I think yeah. it was going to be one of those situations that it just took us longer to potentially have kids versus it being yeah. like an actual infertility issue. Because remember, we were like in our early 20s. Yeah. So you don't, yeah. you're not prepared. Right. And it's something sure. like with the female cycle, it could be so like trivial. It could be just like, oh, we missed ovulation. Right. Like you don't want to think like the, well, okay. If you're me, you think the worst, but if you're not, you know, if you're a normal person, you're probably like, well, we might've just be missing ovulation or maybe we're just like not doing it at the right times and stuff like that. So I can see how like your guys' mind well, was just like, at that we'll go through the test, but I'm sure everything's at fine. At that point in our marriage, there was no, we're missing the right time. Okay. <laughs> <Just saying that. laughs> <laughs> it was all the time. <laughs> Timing was not the issue. Yeah. So you go home, you tell her, you know, hey, this is this is what it is, you know. What were those emotions? Like Brittany, what, what were your thought? next emotions? Yeah. I wanna be honest, I really don't remember. It was kind of like a blur, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, because you can imagine that. He knew like kind of going into our marriage like all I ever wanted to be was a mom so I know like he had to have extreme like nervousness a little bit on his part because he knew yeah. like he was getting ready to wreck my world yeah. yeah like he's not like trying to let you down but like hey like guess what like this is off the table like it's it's not happening right so yeah. I'm sure he imagined that like well great I gotta go home and like wreck my wife's yeah. worlds what about you Shane like did you like you said at first you were just like you know like no not no big deal but you know at first it didn't really hit you and you're like until you realized you had his whole Brittany but then when you kind of said those words like hey I can't we can't have a baby like 
the nat like the way the natural way without some help um or as of right now at all like what did that feel like for you so uh, i guess when i would say i took the long ride home you know i, I feel like i had some decisions to make because like at the point when it really hit me that I had to go home and tell Brittany and everything, I was like, man, it, just like she said, I knew where she stood on the whole issue. And I yeah. have some backstory, you know, in my life where, you know, I had a pretty, I had pretty serious relationships before Brittany. And that was a mm-hmm. deal breaker. The whole, well, if we get married, let's enjoy the first few years and then before we think about kids. And she was like, no, kids immediately or die. I was like, well, I guess die. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, and that, and that kind of informed how I rolled into um, this thing with Brittany, because I think at that point, you know, the marriage vows that we take is we act on the other's behalf you know, mm-hmm. more than we act on ourselves, at least we're supposed to, you know, and that's what my vow to her right. was. And I had to decide, am I okay with losing her behind this? You know? Yeah. And you can't Yeah, that would have to that that had to be a tough truck ride home. Well, like I can't imagine. It, it was. And I think she'll tell you, you know, it was pretty quickly out my mouth. I was like, look, this is the deal. And it would not bother me. Well, it would bother me. Okay. Let me rephrase that. But I would completely understand. Yeah, like you wouldn't hold it against her if she said, "Like, hey, like that's a deal breaker." Like I yeah, told like, you, I'll wait. I'll wait this yeah, time. Like that, I'll wait. That was part you of the truck ride coming home. Is that was coming to terms with this might be a thing, buddy. You need to prepare yourself. So, and how yeah, is that can, for you, Brittany? Like, you know, this is the man I love, and also I really want babies. Like, how how did you feel about it? I never wavered. Like, at this point, we had already done deployments and all this other stuff and so I was like okay like whatever we'll figure it out as we go kind of thing but it was kind of like weird because I envision like for most people when they find this out they're in a doctor's office together yeah whereas we were not like he was left to give the the dirty work the doctor wasn't yeah. Yeah. yeah well whereas like you guys could like get the news from a doctor and then comfort each other Shane kind of had to be the bearer of bad news and then be like hey can I comfort you or like oh. how do you how do you want to proceed from here like what yeah. are, you know and I, knowing both of you I know like you both well enough to say like he wouldn't just be like hey Brittany um it is what it is like go cry alone you know I'm sure he was there comforting you but as someone who's gotten bad news from the doctor like it's 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 uncomfortable to be there doing that in the office but to know that you have your spouse there with you supporting like it sucks that you guys had to kind of like hey um I have really bad news but also at the same time I let me comfort you (laughs) you know so that I can imagine that Mm -hmm. sucked so you get the diagnosis and then you know what were your steps from there like where where yeah so you guys got your processing it and you guys kind of went which direction you cited you know, well, to go f- the, uh, I guess for me, as far as the diagnosis is concerned was, so I didn't tell Brittany this. And so she's found this out for the first time. Oh, I, I, yes. I learned about what was going on with me about two weeks before I told her. Mm-hmm. However, I was going back to the doc to find out what is the extent of what's going on you know because i wanted to come in mm-hmm. with answers too like could we uh artif- yeah so you can kind of say like hey like i got this problem but don't worry there here's the solution right, to right, it right. like well, we, yeah you know and then when the solution came like the likelihood of you fathering a child via test tube or any other way is so astronomically low they said then i mean it'd be a stretch for ivf or anything to work for you ever so i had to know what the what the end result was really before i came up to her and you know later down the road we were offered a little bit of hope but that's for a little bit later i guess when y'all talk to Brittany. but yeah well um thank you for coming on shane and talking with us i i Brittany said that you only had a little bit of time so we don't want to keep you too long so we'll go okay all right well then so then um let's talk about so let's flash forward so we got your diagnosis and I feel by like not biased but like I already know like y'all's story so um I know what's coming (laughs) and uh so but 
Felicia doesn't, so let's tell Felicia. So we all moved to El Paso, right? <laughs> we all moved to El Paso together. And um, Brittany, do you like want to talk about like that? I feel like during El Paso is a time like from what I know is when it really hit you that like like oh, wait, let's, that let's was pause for a, a hard second. Time. How long were you guys married before you got or at, when you got your diagnosis? Three years. Three years. Yeah. Okay, and then you guys moved to El Paso, and that had been. After how long? I think it was, it was another year. It was like right after a year of us really finding out, like the whole, the whole shebang. Okay, so st- yeah. still pretty new news, and so then it kind of it was hitting you, and you took it, I guess, or processed it. Well, a lot of it was it was coming from both directions, and I'll speak on this part because I was getting it a lot too. Is yeah, you know, you get about four yeah. or five years into a marriage. You know, family members, in-laws, friends, everyone starts to ask about kids. Yeah. Oh, I can believe, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, you're fresh and yeah, a year's not really fresh off some news, but you kind of fresh off some news. You hadn't quite, you know, determined the direction of your life yet. And you're having to answer yeah. a question that it's innocent enough, but in our specific situation, we're like, how about you mind your business? This is pretty serious. You yeah. Know? Well, yeah, it was, yeah, it's still like, yeah. And I'm sure it was a lot of business. Like it's not, I'm sure it's something you told your mom, your dad and close, but then, you know, you're at like Christmas and your second cousin's like, Hey, when are you going to have a baby? And it's like, I really don't want to tell you what's going on right now because it's still, it still stings for one. And for two, like, like you said, mind your business. Like it's not your business yeah. right now to worry about when we're having a baby. You spoke for me. You were a lot nicer than I was. <laughs> Well, and the thing was, we were a year in on this, and the only people that knew were were our parents, a few of my very close friends that were in my friend circle at Bragg, and then Cody. Like, that was it. It was not something we talked about, because we were, we come from parents, like, in the generation of, you don't talk about it. Yeah, and I feel like, like, so looking back on El Paso, like, Brittany and I, like I said, we met there... We were essentially complete strangers, but we latched onto each other because we were in a new like place, a new time and stuff. And um, I, I didn't know, like, I just, I didn't know. So when you met, like when you would meet Brittany back then, she would just be like, oh, we can't have kids. And that was the end of it. There was no elaboration or anything on it. So I was very fresh into my marriage. And I remember in El Paso, I actually like had a miscarriage in El Paso. And I don't even know if I knew that Brittany was infertile at the time or not. Um, but she, she like brought me soup up to my, or down, I guess at the time to my apartment and was really like there for me. But then I could see after I learned her story and stuff, I could see how that kind of weighed on her heart a little bit because, um, you know, and rightfully so, but I could just see like, you know, there was some pain there and then eventually she got, you know, she worked through it and, um, started talking. I think the more you talked about it, Brittany, is when I really saw like some like light come back into you. Um, when you started like sharing your story and talking to people about it. Um, but I know like just from like the outside looking in is when you were, when we were in El Paso, I like hindsight, I could see how hurt you were, you know, and I can imagine with all your family coming in and being like, when are you having a baby? When are you having a baby? You move away from all of your family to El Paso um, you got this like new friend that's like, Oh, I just got married and we're going to have babies and it's going to be great. I can see how like, you were just like, Oh well, no, it wasn't oh, no, even no. Like, just, everybody's it leave wasn't me even just that because we were at a point where like all of my, like my friend circle originally from Bragg, like they were all at the same phase of like starting a family. So it was mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to cope and deal and figure out my whole pardon me, my whole shit show of a life that's happening with infertility, but I'm having to sit yeah. back and also watch like, at the time, like, my best friends, like, have babies and progress in that situation, like, that one thing like you've always wanted. Right, and you're supposed even... to be happy for them, and it's hard, and then you're like, am I wrong because I'm not happy? You know what yeah. I mean? Not in a mean way, but like, is it wrong you're that I'm happy not happy? Them, but you're that you're bitter I... at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, and so... yeah. yeah. I kind of had to, like, that thing I really had to work through, and it took me, I think Shane will bear, like, will tell you, like, it really took me years to kind of be okay with, like, genuinely being happy for people, if that makes sense, because you're sitting yeah. there, and you're like, no, okay, yeah. like, 
you know, like your world doesn't stop. Like the world doesn't stop yeah, right, even though yeah. you're dealing with all of that. And so like I was struggling and I struggled for years with like figuring out my identity not being a parent. Well, essentially a new yeah. identity because you had one that you envisioned. You're like, I'm gonna be a mother, I'm gonna be a wife. And then and then the universe was like, actually, let me take one of those back. You're not gonna exactly. you're not gonna do that. So <laughs> figure what, something new out. At what point did you start to I, I'm not necessarily like move on, but it was more where you could like talk about it, you could share your experience. Um, like what got you to that to that phase? It's actually kind of a crazy situation. My mom and my dad honestly kept getting always asked like when are they gonna have kids and I like he Shane was like outside the apartment one day and I walked downstairs and I was like are you okay if I make this public I was like I'm so tired of our parents getting asked this question and them not having a proper way to answer it yeah because they're trying to be protective of our business too you know and so I yeah. was like, yeah, go for it. And so like, I went upstairs and I typed, and I wish I could go back and find it. I typed like this long post about like, stop asking our parents when we can have kids. Yeah. Like, like here's I, your answer. Like, it was a big spew. And it was like that moment, like within like 10 or 15 minutes, like I had all of these people commenting and even people from our small hometown who had got, battled infertility too, but never talked about it. So they were starting to speak up. And I was yeah. kind of like, we both realized we were trying to cope and deal with something on our own in private with no true support system. Because yeah. while your family yeah. and your friends yeah. want to be there, they've never been through it to know the proper thing to say. Yeah. And they feel bad because they can't give you proper condolences or like checking on you that reminds me Brittany that reminds me so much of do you remember when we were in El Paso and we went to that you went to that Cincy party with me for that lady at the church and you were like uh she was asking us when we were gonna have kids and she said to you well what are you do you have any kids at home you're like no we can't have kids and she was like uh don't say that anything is is possible through God and you're like no like I cannot have children (laughs) and I was like I can't believe like I I, it made me think of like how people say some of like the craziest things. And while, yes, we have faith in God and everything, but at the same time, there are some things that just like our bodies just don't do. And we have to think about the, the, the things that we we're saying to people because so many times I catch myself, like if I'll, I'll be talking to you or something and we'll be talking about kids and I'll, I'll be having a hard day. And I want to say something like, Man, you should you should be really like you're you're kind of lucky that you don't have to deal with well, this bullshit, I, right? I or like we were just talking. There are days like I'll come home from the grocery store, and I'll look at him and be like, "I get to come home to a house that is quiet and clean." Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I say those things, and I'm like, I should not be happy about that because I know other people would kill to come home to like a quiet house and no and no screaming <laughs> kids for like five minutes. So I remind yeah. myself. Yeah, we, we just lock them in the I closet. That, there are parents <laughs> that would love to have that for like five minutes of their day. Right. Yeah, but it just made me think of that, like how people will say, like, you know, they'll be like in your business one minute, or they'll they'll say like you know crazy things to you on Facebook, and then like they they'll just say th- they don't know how to comfort you. They think that they're being helpful. So, so like when that woman told you you know oh anything's possible god you're and it's just kind of like yeah it is but at the same time like he's he's a miracle worker but at the same time like there's only so many miracles that he can perform and let's be let's be logical here like maybe me being infertile makes you uncomfortable but that doesn't like just 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 be like if someone says i'm infertile like oh okay like you know what i mean you don't have to like always comfort them or try to because sometimes you just come off like an asshole the thing that we were never prepared for and because we were never like we never got coping tools for this or like any therapy to like figure this out in a healthy manner so no one prepares you for the things that are going to come when people start asking you this question especially as you get older so people will say when are you having kids and we'll be like we can't but the very next thing out of their mouth is well have you thought about adoption or IVF no 
like yeah we're not stupid no mm-hmm. offense like we're not stupid but like, yeah hey, that stuff's not affordable well, and I remember yeah. making a comment one time, you know, someone's like, have you thought about adoption or IVF? I was like, no, I was waiting on the stork, but I think someone shot it, you know. And, <laughs> you know, and it, it, it would well, just you know, it's extremely like... uncomfortable in return, you know. And I know it's terrible because they're trying to be encouraging. Yeah. And I've learned to read people's intentions more than their words. And that's been helpful. That's the maturing side on me. Well, so that's, yeah. Well, how is the processing? How is the processing for you, Shane? Because I know women are more apt to, you know, talk about her your feelings. So, you know, when Brittany posted that, um, a friend would maybe, you know, uh, reach out and be like, "Girl, I go through it too," and da da da. Whereas a man is less likely. Like, if we were going through it, my husband's really not going to say anything to anybody. So, how is that for you? Like, did you have somebody to reach out? Were you leaning mainly on Brittany? I've I've gone it pretty pretty much entirely alone. what what was yeah. diagnosed to me um they told me it is um like less than one tenth of one percent of the male population in the world oh have what I have. That's that one man. i've and i've met one wow i talked to one and yeah. uh but at that point we had both already dealt with it i mean i, I dealt with mine mostly as uh you know with joking about it you know that's kind of my personality but the other big piece that really yeah. took the wind out of it was probably uh, Brittany's response because it had been real easy for me to feel less a man or anything like that, you know, had, uh, you know, she took off a run or held it against me, but, and she really didn't, oh, yeah. I, mean, I knew she mm-hmm. was bitter about it, but she never directed that towards me. And that, that made the biggest thing in the world. No, unfortunately, Cody yeah. got a lot of that bitterness. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, take that, Cody. <laughs> it's okay. It made me a better person. <laughs> Unfortunately, Cody did get a lot of that bitterness, and it was never intentional. But anyway. No, and you know what? At the time when it was happening, I didn't understand because I didn't – I don't think fertility is something that you can appreciate until you become a mother or until it's taken away from yeah. you before you get to become a mother. And at the time, I was 22, and I just thought this girl was just trying to be mean to me. And now I've gone through my own health battles to where it's like, like, fuck, can I just be normal? Like, can I just be healthy? Why, like, why can't, and you know, so I've gone through that bitterness myself now. And now I understand like, okay, I, w- I was never the problem. Like Brittany was hurting at the time. And at the time it, I was just, it, it was just easier to take her anger out on her situation on me, which it, y'all, it really wasn't that people. big of a deal. It was you know just like some military. Yeah. It was just, it was, yeah, it wasn't even really Brittany. We're not going to name the person who it really well, was, but we're just going to, we, we know people hurt people. If that makes sense. And yeah. It took, yeah. Like, so when we kind of stopped talking for a while, I kind of really picked up on my ability to process and deal with it in a healthy manner. And that's when I kind of started to realize, like, I've handled a lot of things poorly over the last year. And I had, mm-hmm. but it took me, like, I had to go through that, like, bitter, ugly, mean stage to kind of yeah, I agree. progress. Because had I not dealt with it, I think the manner that I ended up doing it, I wouldn't be in the place that I am today. Because I think, you know, like, I have so much yeah. empathy for, like, people in general that for me to intentionally hurt someone it's not that's not who I am that's just who I was at that time and I couldn't even explain why well I don't I I mean I don't think you I think you were just that was just the way you I think you I think you put it exactly right hurt people hurt people like you weren't intentionally bitter to anybody it was more so bitter at the fact of like the issue happening in your life at the moment like well, and I feel like it's a constant reminder, like you're in a marriage and, you know, it's just like one of those things that it's like, it's, it's always there. Like, it's always reminding you, like you go to the grocery store, you see a new baby, you go to the grocery store, you see a pregnant mom, you go to, you go do this, you go do that. And they're, it's always well, around you, especially at a military base. Like, I'm sorry, y'all, but we well, like when procreate you, like when you move, tomorrow especially so. within the military and you know, like everybody has. Yeah. The number one way you make friends. Hey, I have a yep. ba- I have this kid. I have that kid. Let's get together and play. And so yeah, I can imagine how that's super isolating. This will be our second time. And we are the only people both times 
with zero kids. Mm -hmm. So, and this is something I had to have a conversation with in Virginia because all of our friends had kids, which was no issue. And one girl was just like, well, I assume because you don't have kids, like, why would you ever want to be around our kids? And I was like, just because we don't have kids, that doesn't mean that we hate kids. Like, don't make that decision for us. Let us make that decision for ourselves. Like, if we don't want to be around your kids. Yeah, like, we won't come back around. If your kids annoy us, we just won't come back around. I mean, look, my husband has kids, and he don't even like kids. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a not like kids thing. We spoil the crap out of other people's kids, too, you know. Yeah, like, so we have a niece, and, like, literally, like, every month, we text my brother and sister-in-law, and we're like, hey, like, what does she need? Like, let us help you guys out, because... A, we're not there to see her. She's so young right now. She's never going to make a difference. Yeah. Anyway. But like, we want to help them out yeah. because right. we have the ability to do so because we're not taking care of our own kids. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so <laughs> okay. All of that to say, if it, you did go through a dark place, but the one, I feel like the one thing that really pulled you out from looking on the outside in was y'all Brittany is one of those crazy people who pay to go run she she enjoys running she wakes up in the morning when it's cold and goes running she runs in the middle of the day when it's 100 degrees outside yeah it's past tense now but but she was one of those crazy people she tried to get me to do a couch to 5k or something like that in El Paso and I was like Brittany couch to kitchen if we're gonna be friends you got to feed me tacos and tell me I'm pretty. I'm not going for runs with you, sis. Like, we're not doing that. So, but yeah. before we keep you guys all night, um, what were what are a couple ways that, um, like, were the best way to help you cope that you would maybe recommend to somebody, both of you guys, you know, if it's a new couple who, um, whether it was her, she'd be diagnosed or her spouse, what, what would you guys recommend, like, ways to process or things like Talk that? Talk about it. Like, screw what people say on the whole, keep your life private. Like, I get it, and that is for some people, and I respect that, but talk about it, because you're not alone, and if you're alone trying to process it, you don't really even know if what you're feeling is accurate. Yeah. And you'd be real shocked. I mean, maybe not in my case, you know, because (laughs) of what, uh, you know, what I've been diagnosed with, but... um. You'd be real mm-hmm. shocked at how many people are rowing the same boat you are, you know, and nobody talks about it. Yeah. And yeah. A lot of it comes from people are afraid of being vulnerable in front of other people. But, you know, after a while, after we had dealt with it and everything, we realized that, you know, the vulnerability goes away as soon as you have somebody else with you. You know, when you're not alone, you're not vulnerable no more. Yeah. But we got to, so fast forward, like, what five or six years mm-hmm. i think so yeah. maybe even further than that shane decided when we were in virginia he was gonna just go get a second opinion because it was so rare and we've never yeah. actually shared this with anybody other than our family yeah you're getting the, you're we're getting, getting the all stuff. the juicy stuff we on found <laughs> out that we actually qualified for ivf at Walter Reed. Yeah, I forget the name of the clinic, though. It's a specific clinic. It's really, really exclusive and hard to get in. And they were going to offer it to us for, like, not even a quarter of the price to even get in the door. Um, and this is mm-hmm. how we knew we were at peace with it. Because he came home and he told me. And I remember kind of sitting in the floor in the kitchen, like, what? And he was like, do you want to go through with this? And so we actually started the process. How how long after after your diagnosis was this? Oh man, yeah, this was probably like nine years. <laughs> no, it wasn't that long. Yeah, so you had long a long time to process. Uh, it was probably closer to five. Because it was recent. This was okay. only two years ago. Yeah. So it was like at the end of 2018, he came home and he's like, "Do you want to like? Are you open to try this? Like, I don't like. We were both at a point where." We weren't going to make each other do something if we were not comfortable with it. So we had kind of laid it out. Like, if we go through with this, if at any point either of us becomes uncomfortable, we have to trust each other enough to say, I don't want to do this anymore. No hard feelings. And so we started, like, I was driving an hour one way on a good day. 
to doctor appointments in Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. And we had all the ta- paperwork done. I had all of my testing done. And the paperwork sat on the coffee table for like two weeks. And it was approaching Thanksgiving. And we had, he had had some stuff happen at work. And we had never sent the paperwork off. And we both just looked at each other. And I remember just being like, I don't want to do this. Because it was going to involve so much hormonal stuff on my part. And I'd already had enough like hormonal di- diagnosis to know like I could do it. But thinking about it, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not okay with this. Yeah. And so we both agreed, okay, yeah. like. I guess we like this was us fully saying like we are at peace yeah. with not having kids. Yeah. Like if you yeah. needed a sign it was like there God, it was, it was like, like literally God handing us a platter saying how bad do you want it? And when we uh, yeah. both looked at each other and we were like we're done like we're not going to do this cuz I know he said like I don't want to see you go through all these shots and stuff because he had already been we had already been told like because it's male infertility, you both have to be tested for uh, cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. And so we were putting ourselves in the chance of if we were both carriers, we couldn't even go through any more of the process. Right. Well, and, it, and like we had to look at the cost too and what it was going to cost me in particular. Yeah. And, and it's more than just money. Okay. I mean, the money figure they gave us is for every attempt we get successful or unsuccessful is seven thousand dollars and and that's i mean it's about the money at that point than, i mean on one like on one income that's about the money of what some people would pay for the procedures we were looking at at this clinic i mean it was a greatly reduced rate but the uh, the other piece yeah. was you know for every harvest that they were going to do on me it wasn't a simple hey just do your thing over there in that room no they were going to have to open me up and scrape it out because what they what i what i've been diagnosed with is something called sertoli cell only you can do your own research on it if you want Mm -hmm. yes Brittany, send us that and like a text message so we can anyway look it up for sure so what that means is if i have anything inside that does create genetic material they have to go and find it because mm-hmm. it doesn't make its way out. And so wow. it was going to be, they were saying, yeah, when we do our harvest, you're going to be off work for about 60 days because it's very invasive. It's very, it's not like a knee scope or the incisions a little bit. It's they're, they're laying you open. They're going in and finding yeah. stuff. Yeah. So it was that the, not to say that, a, that a, that like a child's life it you had to it's like more not worth that but at the same time I can understand where you're coming from like that far out of your diagnosis your lives are yeah. already very established yeah. like you've already come to peace with it why well and the, rip the and band-aid the big, off and the all big over thing again? was but, the deciding factor for us was the cystic fibrosis thing they were talking about because of the procedure they were going to have to do because of my situation that we had a mm-hmm they they told us 50-50, but they were leading towards the positive side that our child would be born with cystic fibrosis, which, you know, a lot of yeah, people yeah. make it to about 20 years old, and then that's that's about it. Well, and if you could choose, if you could electively choose to not have right. your child right. be sick, right. then I obviously mean, any point, parents would. Yeah. Yeah. At least I question myself. Am I being selfish to bring a, a person on this earth? Yeah. To suffer and die young, knowing something's wrong with them, yeah. Just to feel like, you know, I'm a man. I can have kids. For me, goodness, I'm gonna cry for you. For me, that wasn't in the cards for me. And but, you know, Brittany, you know, she she suffered at the hands of birth control for years, and that's a completely different podcast. Y'all can talk about that later. (laughs) Um, But. Yeah. yeah, I hate birth control. We have like a Shane's over here getting, like managing us. He's like, right, we guys are gonna do birth control. We're gonna yeah. talk about this next but, week. Like, sign him up. Texas the list. Last thing I wanted to do was one, get her hopes up. Two, supercharge her hormones. And three, introduce disappointment when the first, second, maybe third time never took. 
that was a recipe for my personal destruction. Yeah. Well, so I emotionally knew like yeah. I wasn't going to be able to go through that heartbreak again, if that makes sense. Like you've already lived it once. So I don't want to no, deal yeah. with that yeah. again. Cause you, it, you're mourning the loss of something yeah. you're never going to have. And so. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then to get it for a few seconds, just to lose it again, like that would, that would completely shatter me as a person. So I can't imagine yeah. for somebody else. Like, so to wrap it up, give us your best piece of advice or your best encouragement to anybody listening today that's struggling with infertility outside of like sharing their story. If you could go back and tell yourself one thing when you like when Shane came home that day and told you um, and Shane, when you found out that day, if you could go back and tell yourself one thing, what would you say to your per- like to yourself? Well, um, I think hindsight being 2020. I told myself, don't you hold this thing in, get it out there, talk about it and don't be by yourself because you don't want to be bottled up by yourself with a monster, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Brittany, what would be yours? That was like, I think the biggest thing that really held me back from dealing with it and realizing I wasn't alone because you're definitely not alone. And chances are, there is someone right next to you that you don't even know dealing with it because I have found Mm -hmm. that some of my best friends are now because I openly said like we can't have kids and this is why and they like we just we connected on a different level that Mm -hmm. allowed open conversation with trust yeah because when you when you keep it when you keep it private like we tried to do and you feel alone all you really become is you see or you see yourself turn into what feels like a caged animal you feel like you're backed in a corner. You know, you feel like you're by yourself. You've got no way out. And then everybody's just in front of you poking you with sticks. And that really ain't what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, when they're just like, just asking yeah. a question, you feel like you're being attacked almost because you haven't dealt with it yourself the way you needed to. So you're just like, why, yeah. why do you care? Yep. Why are you asking me? What, what, it, when really you need to be like, why am I feeling well, like just, this? Or honestly, we're going to process this. When are you going to have kids needs to be a question that needs to be broached by people that you are very close friends with or your family. And it needs to be like family that you have a very good relationship with, because I feel like that's, that's the kind of, I feel you on that. Stop asking people about kids and stop asking people about their family sizes, okay? Because I <laughs> don't get on that tangent, Cody. Conversation starter in all communities, and I get it. I truly get like why, but there are also people that are on that backside that can have kids, and honestly, you can't be responsible for the response you get from someone who may be having a bad day mm-hmm. while they're dealing with their infertility. Yeah, the bear can't fit. Right. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. Like, how do you, when, when asked it now, how do you guys respond or how, how do you feel about well, being asked about it? I like, typically just tell now. them straight up. I can't father kids. And typically I follow that up with a prom joke or something, you know, but. <laughs> um, I kind of gauge the situation because Shane will tell you, I'm the type of person I like to see a person squirm. I can tell if they're being nosy or if it's someone like that's being very genuine in the, in the conversation. But if I don't know you well enough, I'm going to give you an answer to just make you squirm and get real uncomfortable. Right. Well, I think you guys, well, one, let me just say thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, definitely. I'm over here crying in my room with my blanket. (laughs) Um, I I mean, you guys, I'm sure you're going to touch a million hearts today, Um, but we just want to say thank you so much for hopping on and sharing your story. I know it's not easy to talk about. And I know it's something that um, a lot of, you know, is scary and hard and um, sad. And just to get on and share with us, you know, um, we are super, super thankful for y'all guys. Yeah. And I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you, Brittany. Like you have transformed into such an awesome person and I'm so happy that you didn't let it define you as a person that you felt the emotions that you needed to, and you battled through it and that you came on here and talked with all of us about it. Like, I'm really proud of you. And well, I'm really thank glad you guys. You and I will friends. honestly say like, if it's a female on the other end of hearing this and you need someone to talk to that you can relate with, you can always reach out to me on my social media. Um, it's, it's, 
I'm yeah, we'll tag her for conversation sure. Now, and so if you're not wanting to talk about it with friends or your family, uh, I'll be the other person on the other line that will give you any help or just a, a shoulder to talk to because I know, like, I know what it's like. Awesome. Well, that's where we're going to end it today, guys. We are excited to come back with a new episode in this series. If you liked this episode, let us know. Uh, Make sure you keep an eye on our social media. We're going to be posting some statistics, some um, facts about infertility in both male and female. Mm -hmm. Um, And Shane, thank you for coming on and talking with us too. Like that was really an awesome side to hear because like I said, a lot of people only hear it from the women's Mm -hmm. side. And I naively, you know, when I learned about infertility, I only really thought like, well, there's something wrong with the woman then if she can't carry a baby, because I feel like society, that's what they say it is like, you know, they only push it being the women. So I'm really glad that you came on too and shared your side of the story with us. So. Wow. I mean, like, were you crying? Cause I was crying. (laughs) I, yeah. Like I said, I've known her since 2012 when we moved to El Paso and yeah, I didn't know the half of that. Like I didn't, I'm so glad that her husband Shane came on and shared his side because, you know, like we said a million times in that, I really only viewed infertility being from the what like the woman, I would just assume that, you know, either she didn't ovulate correctly or there's something wrong with her uterus or, you know, something like that. I never really knew of how uncommon, but common, I guess, uh, male I infertility think could be. Yeah, you don't really even think about it because if you actually Google infertility statistics, it tells you the percentage of women. So um, like the first thing it pops up is like women or couples and women in pregnancy. And you don't I mean, I'm sure if you scroll down a few, you would probably see more about men. But um, like, I don't know, women is just like the first thing you think of. And when she was telling her story, I was just thinking to myself, I have three kids. And I still get that baby fever, that urge to like, oh, mm-hmm. I want that newborn that. Oh, my you know, gosh. Yeah. I hear it in the I hear babies cry in the store. And your husband made fun of me. Remember, he was like, that's called baby fever. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you get that like ache in your gut when you hear the little bitty baby crying in the store. And I I was just like thinking to myself. And that's when I started crying. <laughs> I was like, I was thinking to myself, can you imagine not being able to have that? Like. Yeah. How much Always you crave. For that. Yeah. Like yeah. you crave a baby and I have three of them. I crave a baby and not that I want any more. It's just that, man, just being a mother is just, is the something experience amazing. alone of like birth and pregnancy and everything and to know that like you could never, you know what I think makes it almost like not Brittany's situation harder, but more like just one more jab is that, um, it wasn't her. Yeah, that she could like, you know, like if I was if I didn't like marry you or anything like that, or if you know, if it wasn't you, I could have a child and stuff like that. And I'm glad it's not me and and that she's as strong as she is because um I I feel like I would give in to my temptation and be like, I need a baby. I have no that definitely speaks to her character. You have to I mean you have to be a strong ass woman to be like okay, I won't ever have a baby, but I still choose to love you. And I'm not that it's a bad thing. I feel like that's stuff you see in the movies. Yeah, exactly. She needs her own movie. That's (laughs) no book, no book, you know, PS. She does. Lifetime, like lifetime or something because, because like in the generation we live in, we're so quick to throw it away. Like, oh, well, this got hard. I'm done. Oh, well, you did this. I'm done with this relationship. And for her to you know, not know that he was going to come home that day and say, Hey, guess what? Like if you, if you want babies, they're not coming from me and Hey, like, and it is what it is. If you leave, I won't blame you. And she stood there and said, well, I love you and I want babies, but I guess they're not happening. So yeah, I just can't, I can't imagine. And, you know, it makes me even more like thankful for you know I I'm not in the best health like I have you know and same with you like you have especially with your reproductive organs like it could have been you like so easily to where you know you could not have had children and on the hard days like it makes you put things in perspective like I had you know Felicia had a shitty week last week and the days that your kids are getting on your nerves and stuff and I don't want to be the person that says it could always be worse but then you hear that story and you're just like you know what like I couldn't, I could have just 
and never had them. It's just a slim, like a slim chance, you know, we all kind of, we're all, it's just fate. Like, you know, we're all kind of skidding by at the same, the same level. And just, you know, every once, every few people, you know, they get plucked and then they're the few that are infertile. And, and I think like she said, that question, you know, when are you having babies and when are you getting pregnant? And that needs to stop. Like, unless you're, yeah. you know, Cody asking me, that's a whole different situation or my mom or something like that. It's that's not a, a conversation different. starter. Yeah. That's a whole different, but just being like, Oh, you don't have kids. Well, when do you plan on having kids? Like for one, I had kids on birth control. Okay. Like I wasn't even planning for them. So I think it's, you know, there's this post going around and I'm sure everybody has seen it, but it says stop asking women when they're going to get pregnant because endo, because PCOS, you know, because um, all of these infertility issues and, you know, it, it needs to be on there. That graphic needs to be edited. And because male infertility too, like it is something that happens and, you know, I, I just can't, like he said, it would make him feel like man if she left him so it has to be hard for him already you know and especially because it's not like a women where we just kind of I don't want to say gossip but like I lean on you when I'm having a hard day and we talk about it yeah. whereas like for Mark when it's a hard day he leans on me but if I'm having a hard day that like he doesn't really have anybody you know and so yeah I think it's something that yeah how was Shane to take his prop like hey I'm having a hard day with this but also you're having a hard time with the same issue but let me lean on you at the same time you know what I mean like I can I can understand where he meant where he felt alone but I'm so glad that they both like both of their advice was to talk about it just talk about it yeah regardless like it's not I don't feel like it's a subject that's going to make anybody else feel uncomfortable if anything like I might not know the right things to say but if your heart is hurting and you're pissed off because the cards you're dealt like talk to me I I I may not have the answers but one I might have a friend I actually I do have a friend she was just on the podcast (laughs) I can help you but you know um but I, I feel like it can be very isolating because they do feel like nobody relates. So then it's like, why am I going to go talk to my friend who has kids about this issue? Like she doesn't understand. She has four kids. Her, you know, her body does what it's supposed to. Her husband's body does what it's quote unquote supposed to. So how are they supposed to relate to, to what I'm feeling right now? So I, I agree with Brittany and Shane on that one, where it's just like, just talk about it. Even if you're just writing, you know, multiple Facebook posts a day, get it out. Like, just talk about what, what's going on with you. Because one, we cannot, you have to educate us. Like, we're not going to be able to comfort you, understand your story or anything like that if you don't educate us. And that was like a lot of Brittany and I's problem to begin with was she wasn't talking about what was bothering her, but upset about you know things that were going on in my life but I didn't I had no idea you know what I mean so if you're not if you're not vocalizing those things the outside world's going to eat away at you at you because you're upset of yeah I think you have to be vocal but you also have to be accepting if you're on that opposite end because so many people are like wow you can't have kids or like she said people were so quick to say well have you thought about adoption or something like that how about just comfort her in the moment and like, wow, I'm so sorry. You know, what, what do you need from me? Like, how can I help you? How can I console you? Um, like how can I be the bestest friend that you need me to be at this point in time? Not just, Oh, you know, well, there's always IVF or there's this and that, like she said, you know, they looked at that and I mean, to be cut open and like, I just, Oh my goodness, I would have shuddered Mm -hmm. away. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, I don't like surgery as it is. And so I think you have to be accepting and understanding and um like she said you know she reads the conversation right if you're just nosy then obviously like whatever but when you're genuinely concerned it's like you know how 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 can I help or what can you teach me almost like like you don't even have to always help it's like what can I learn like what can I learn from your story and you know anytime I hear one of the stories of somebody being infertile um, or you like, you see the TikTok videos of them getting like their first pregnancy test or stuff like that after multiple and multiple fails. It's like, it almost humbles you because yeah, my four kids drive me insane a lot of the time. And it's all a lot of hard work, but I couldn't imagine never having them and never even having the opportunity to have them. And I think a lot of people, I think that's all, that's the hard thing, you know, probably with Brittany and Shane was it's like, 
at first there was no opportunity and then one pops up and it's like you know what we're good like you know they didn't they didn't need to fill that void anymore but there's so many other people that aren't there yet you know what I mean so they have to still in the process of it yeah yeah be gentle with I think I think it's it's like she said, a question that needs to be really be taken out of the equation. You know, when you're on that friendship level, level, I think she she approaches you right. Like how I, I'm like, well, why can't you? Why can't you? Why can't you? Um, it's way for them to like open it up. And yeah, we want to share some statistics on our um, page, but I wanted to share something that I found out that was pretty like crazy. So, um, like all around the world, not just like in the U.S about 48.5 million okay couples experience infertility 48.5 million couples wow. so that's either you know female or male i was just like blown away blown away like yeah. one in four it's one in four are affected by infertility they said about 6% of women um, 15 to 44 are unable to get pregnant after one year of trying, which is what is considered infertility. And then about 12% of women actually have difficulty either getting pregnant or actually carrying the pregnancy to term. Um, so I was just, you just never know. One in four is insane, right? Yeah. Especially if you think about it, yeah. If you think about it, like, um, like that number you said, like what was like 45 million or something like that. How many of them are suffering in silence? Because to me, I know infertility happens, but the, the, it's almost taboo in a sense where you don't really, when you hear about it, you're like, Oh wow, that's kind of uncommon. Like not uncommon, but you know, it's not something that you're running across like a lot, you know what I mean? So then it makes you think, okay, well then how many of my friends are suffering in silence? How many of my friends are going through this? I'm not talking about it. And then, you know, that really makes you wonder and hope that you're on the right side of the conversation and not being condescending and not, you know, saying like those questions to them that, you know, we just heard from people struggling with infertility saying like, don't ask me these things makes you Mm -hmm. like kind of hindsight 2020, like, Oh gosh, was was I insensitive? Is this person? (laughs) Yeah. Another thing that I thought was funny to like wrap it up was how they said, um, a lot of people, not funny, but, um, I can kind of (laughs) understand, but they'll say a lot of people don't really think that they want to hang out because they don't have any kids. And I'm like almost guilty of that because I've had friends that don't have any kids, but let me just be clear is I don't think as somebody with kids and not many friends with who don't have them. I don't, don't think that we're not hanging out with you because you don't have kids. Honestly, we feel like we're the burden because yeah. you don't have kids. So you're not used to the chaos. Um, but I enjoy not in a bad great- way. It's just like, no. for instance, my sister doesn't have any kids and she has this apartment. So when we were living, you know, within five hour drive, I preferably told her to come to my house because I had kids toys. I had kids rooms. I had yeah. all of the things to keep them entertained versus, you know, me struggling for, you know, keeping them off her walls and couches and TVs and everything else. Um, yeah. so it's not necessarily that. Oh, I don't think no, yeah, like not at all. my kids. It's just that my kids are insane and I don't want to burden you with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, it was kind of refreshing to hear um, two people who don't have kids say like, hey, we we love being around other people's kids. Like we enjoy it. Like, you know, yeah. we wish more people hung out with us, even if they have kids or not. But Brittany, if you're listening to this, I can probably speak for most people is if they're not hanging out with you because they have kids and you don't it's because they probably think that they're burdening you with their children because let's be honest if they have little ones that's I, that's just how I feel I'd be like oh I don't know if I should like come over there with all my kids or what guys do I, I do don't here? even want to be around my kids half the time why would I do that to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's be real but we hope you guys enjoyed I don't know if it's like the right word enjoyed um maybe learned things. learned something yeah. I don't I don't think any of the trigger warning episodes will be particularly enjoyable but i think that they will be um well i hope much... you enjoyed hearing her story though like yeah it was exactly a very, it was a very good story i don't know which word it is you know we're not great with words we struggle with them <laughs> all the time on this podcast i don't know what we're thinking but um hopefully there was a lesson learned you know um, we'll share brit on our story so if any of you guys are going through it please please message her even you know she said so so we we give the okay <laughs> yeah yeah like um she's but good. we hope you guys you know 
enjoy. I don't know. How are we going to end this? How do we end well, this? Well, yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I hope that you did enjoy listening to our story. I hope that, you know, it wasn't too, uh, not trigger warning, but like too in your face. But honestly, that's kind of what we want with this series is we want to talk about these tough topics. We want to talk about the hard stuff that nobody's really addressing. And I'm glad that we, we, we started it with an episode that, you know, somebody yeah. who's going through it themselves even said like, Hey, I didn't, I didn't want to talk about this when I found out. So, um, like hopefully, yeah. hopefully we brought some light. That's how we get it. Yeah. Hopefully yeah, we brought some light to a, a tough topic. You know, it is, um, trigger warning. So if you do share it, please post that into your stories. Um, yes, but, um, we hope you guys have a happy Wednesday. It's kind of awkward saying Wednesday. I want to I know. say Monday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, cause usually we're like, have a great week. And now we're like, uh, have a great weekend. We'll make talk it, to make you it again on Monday. <laughs> well, that was our confession for this week. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media to catch the latest. Hashtag spill the coffee.